Hey everyone, it's John Kerwin here and I'm really excited as this is my podcast called Open Minded. This podcast is interviewing inspirational people from all walks of life. You know, I want to give you the real stuff that's happening every day in the minds of these leaders, how they stay well in high pressure roles, how they build resilience in themselves, how they look after their people and how can you invest in yourself and your people to do mental well-being well. So this is JK and this is Open Minded. So let's go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really honored today to be with Damien Mew, who is actually CEO of AIA Australia and New Zealand and director, but also he's a mate of mine. Um, we're new friends. I reached out to Damien through a friend of mine, Kevin Roberts, and asked him if he would support Mentimia uh, in Australia. And in one second, he said yes. He was also part of the company in 2014 that launched AIA Vitality, which is a world-leading health and wellness program to support people and make healthier lifestyle choices to the Australian market. Damien is, is married to Simone. He has two children, Bailey and Kai. He's passionate about people. And when you deal with Damien, you realize that it's this his biggest motivation, his passion for people and he wants to make a difference in people's lives. I think where I want to go with this today is, um, you know, how do you run a big organization and keep that in balance? So Australian born, upbringing was typical for many first generation families. And I'm going to dig into a little bit of that as well, because it's important to talk about race and, and how we can break down some of the stigmas from what I would call generationally brought up with. And he loves just getting shit done, if I can say. So Damien, welcome, mate. Always great to see you. We've never met in person, which seems to be this, this life we live in. But how are you, mate? Because you are in Melbourne, <laughs> which has been unbelievable. So take us through how you are and um, and what what's going on, mate? What's, what's going on in your world right now, out of lockdown? Thanks, JK. Great to be here with you. And uh, thanks, mate, for all your support and uh, and partnership over this really uh, interesting period in life, right? And challenging period. And uh, you talked about being in uh, Melbourne. Um, uh, well, it, how do I feel? I mean, there's a couple of different ways I've described it. One is um, I was saying to people because, um, you know, the in our office building here in Melbourne, we've got a number of offices, but in this particular one, we you know, we have anywhere up to 750 people sort of in this office at any one time. And um, during during uh, stage four, four, I was just in here sort of on my own with a handful of people and I was said it was like being in the movie Home Alone and now all of a sudden people are coming in and I'm trying to work out, am I okay with this and uh, are they are they family members or who are they? And uh, it, so it's a bit strange, I guess, is the, what I'm trying to say with coming out of after being in lockdown for such a long time, but it was a really challenging time at the second one. Um, the first time, I think we all sort of bit of novelty and, you know, we're all busy sort of getting on, trying to work out how we were going to keep the lights on, keep things moving. And we had a bit of a goal and uh, a bit of a mission. And then, you know, the the um, the feeling of um, uh, disappointment uh, of having to go back into a, a, a second lockdown, which was more severe and then not hitting the initial milestones and goals was um, was quite demoralizing and um, and really challenging to keep everyone together and and yourself as well and so I think it really shows you the importance of um, you know having those little goals to look forward to and, and and those small things so look I'm but I'm feeling energized and excited but um at the same time just trying to keep a level of 
calm and just um, make sure we don't, as you, I think you and I have talked about, come rushing back to work, back to life and bringing, you know, the hustle and bustle and what was there and that we built up before um, without trying to, you know, as you and I and Kevin have talked about, come forward to work and life, putting in a couple of new positive habits and silver linings we've found through COVID. I think the, the first question for me is, I, I was really similar to you and we didn't have the second lockdown like you did. So, you know, the first lockdown was a bit of a novelty, but the second lockdown was way more emotional for me personally. I was actually angry for, for, for a little while. So one question that I need two answers from, how did you, what did you actually do to deal with whatever those emotions were? And I think everyone had different ones. And then how do you analyze those, deal with them yourself? And then how do you lead on those? How much influence does your emotion have on how you lead? Or do you have to bury stuff and just make another strategic decision? Because I think leadership around such a big moment in life, but then you've got to lead, like you say, more than 700 people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got 3,000 people across A and Z. So was, the complexity was having everyone in different locations as well and going, like even in, in, in Australia, each state was in a different stage of, of lockdown. So keeping up with it um, and trying to keep everyone connected and, and informed and safe and productive was, was very challenging. But the first thing we sort of did was, you know, um, you know, like any leader, you come out and you, and you business leader, that is, we, we came together and we said, all right, let's put our business plan in place. And I was really proud of our, our response to be able to get everyone essentially working from home within 10 days, 12 days, right? I mean, I mean, that's, a massive effort when you think about the um, number of people, the complexity of you know getting the systems and 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 processes set up. But the team did a, a marvelous job. The second thing I was really proud of was you know we got out really quickly on trying to put a, a, a plan together, which was really about trying to take away um, as much fear that it was created from uncertainty and um and and uh people's uh, the change that was going on and uh, around us so what we did was you know yes guess what i'll give it to you in the business context okay what we did was we came up with our um a plan that was going to look after our staff well-being uh, engagement and productivity so their safety um first and foremost so that we could too have the business continue so we could continue to perform the essential services. And, you know, that meant also managing costs and keeping things running in a way that um, it was going to be, you know, be, be prudent. And then the third one was really about how we were going to pivot and reimagine the business um, in this period and then, and then out of it so that we could, you know, bring some positive learnings into it. But that was, that sounded all really cool, but guess what? People uh, were just, clearly thinking about surviving just like we were you know how are we going to get through this pandemic well, what is a pandemic uh, what do you mean i can't go out right now i can't come to the office my kids are going to be at home schooling so what we wanted to do then was really just connect and i think this is where the, one of the best things of COVID for business leaders is it's allowed us permission to connect to the head and the heart and to use our heart as well so what we just did was said let's just call this plan what it is and and this is where you know working with kevin and yourself and others we just said this is called survive revive and thrive and and um that plan was just really about how we were all going to connect to the emotion of the time and started the, the journey of you know you said um how do you how did you deal with these things was just by talking about our feelings and sharing 
and recognizing we weren't alone and acknowledging these things and not pushing them down. So that Survivor of I Thrive plan was really about how we were going to then um, talk about it in, in how people were feeling with what we needed to do as a business. And um, it, it, was, it made sure that people had as much certainty and clarity we could give them and, and actually really just the honesty that we didn't have all the answers. So um, that was one element. And the second one was, you know, making sure that, um, you know, I was practicing my own, uh, you know, discipline. And I, I use the word discipline around waking up with an attitude of gratitude and practicing that gratitude. Secondly, um, setting myself little goals, both physical and mental well-being goals, really important. So I started walking um, and, and recognising trees and uh, taking some breaths and practicing what I preached um, and I started living life a little slower and getting a little bit of extra sleep um, but then I also set myself some physical goals you know around how I was going to start hitting the, the, the track and, and getting back to trying to you know do some little sprints here and there and uh, it was all those things but I think that the, the biggest one for me JK was connecting with people whether it was through this forum or other um, and, you know, um, and, and just sharing how we were feeling and what we were all doing, little tips, little challenges um, around what, what we were doing to get through it. I spoke to a, an amazing psychiatrist about four weeks ago. I was on one of your connecting um, moments and he said that I do not want to read the books in three years time about what we should have done. Right. And I thought that was, that really made me sit up and think, but if you were, if you were morphing yourself six months, what would you like your organization to say about what you implemented during this pandemic and the lockdown? Look, I, I, the first just simple thing I'd like them to say is that, you know, they felt cared, cared for. Um, and they felt um, safe, uh, safe, and um, safe, and therefore, you know, safe and confident to be able to do what they needed to do to survive, revive, and thrive. You know, that that would for me be, you know, really simply at the core of it. Um, we we sort of talk about I talk about purpose led leadership, and for me, the two tenets of that are, are caring and demanding. So we have to be caring. Um, if you want to be purpose-led because you actually have to care once you bring purpose into it and the why and the heart. And the second one is demanding, you know, because, you know, despite what's going on, life has to keep moving forward and we need to continue to, um, you know, display that, not display, we need to continue to move forward and we need to be able to continue to be resilient and, um, and, and, and achieve and demand more of ourselves. Uh, I use the two um, things of, you know, there's a, a thing called the Spartan Code, and I sort of had that as my own way. I, I said Spartan Code, to, which really drives that demand of myself to, do, to be better, to do more. But then how I want to manifest as a leader is actually the Native American Ten Commandments, which is a different way of, of, of showing um, that, that drive, which really does put um, demands or, or requires you to think of the greater good. And, and, and to think about how you're leaving society in a better way and thinking of others over yourself. So, yeah. I think there's a really, really interesting 
um, discussion here because I love that, you know, you're, you want to be making a difference and caring for people. And I sort of talk about, um, you know, performance care. Which one comes first? Is it the performance or the care? Do you need to perform to get the care? You know, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a cycle. But how do you balance those business outcomes you know, with caring for people? How do you communicate that? Because I think it's important that people know you must perform to get yes. the care or I don't know how that mixes. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a no, question, it's a hard one. Well, I think it is, but it's, again, it's about having a really transparent conversation and connecting, um, you know, if we want to achieve our purpose or if you just say, take it out of a business context, if you want to achieve your dream, yeah, it's great. You've got to have the belief, you've got to have a plan, but you've got to get on with the work because it just doesn't happen. You know, I, I, I tell people for what it's worth. I said, you know, let's let's keep looking for, you know, as I, said, I watched Aladdin uh, over Christmas with, with Kai and Bailey and, you know, it's a great movie, but I don't know if there is actually a lantern out there. So I'm not going to go in search my whole life waiting to find a lantern. What well, If we stumble upon it, fantastic, right? <laughs> or if there's a genie in a bottle that washes up on the shore of the beach, fantastic, we've made it. But let's not wait for that. We've got to get on with the work. So what I try to do is, you know, help people connect that, we can have our dream we and and we do have a purpose that we absolutely believe in but if we do then we've got to honor that and we've got to get on with the work and we've got to deliver we've got to hit those small goals along the way they don't have to be big overwhelming goals but we've got to keep getting up and and working towards those small goals and we've got to help each other and so i connected back to that um and um and the other one is jk i have a very transparent conversation around you know the reality of life Right. There's a there's these two every organization or everyone and uni government, they all deal with this one dilemma around, you know, uh, there is finite resource and that is both capital and people. Right. And so if we want to continue to attract the capital investment from our parent and our shareholders, we need to deliver. But that is what then enables us to continue to deliver on our purpose of making a difference in people's lives and to help champion this dream that we have around Australia and New Zealand being the healthiest and best protected nation in the world so they can live healthier, longer, better lives because that's what it's all about, right, in these blessed countries of ours. So, you know, team, that's the reality. It doesn't just fall on a tree. I, I don't think we should do I think honesty and vulnerability and truth is the key, right? So just be honest about it and not try to think that people won't understand it. They do. I, I totally, I totally agree with you. I spoke to a, a psychiatrist once about how I could parent mental health in the home. And they said to me, um, you know, sit down and have dinner every night. And I said, well, that's really easy for me because I'm married to an Italian. But, and the second thing is show some vulnerability. And I went, whoa, you know, so you don't have to cry the first night, but it was incredible if you show vulnerability around the dinner table, how that gives everyone permission to show vulnerability. But I would say in the business sense, it's very, very hard because there is a perception that vulnerability is weakness and the boss should be this big figure. So how do you actually put your vulnerability into action and take away some of the fear around it coming back to bite you, which is our fear, right? If I show vulnerability, someone's going to, have a go at me or whatever, or see a weakness, you know, and that, that is in the business sense. So how do you break that down and how do you communicate? Yeah. Um, and so, oh, look, I don't know if I have all the answers here, JK, but I'll share my um, experience and, and thoughts and insights for what it's worth. So one, I, I do get hurt and uh, you know, I'm not, I, I did have this um, 
amazing uh, uh, light bulb moment where I worked out I wasn't Superman, Wonder Woman, um, you know, and uh, I, I didn't have this impenetrable armor. Um, but um, I learned that that was okay and uh, I accepted that I wasn't. So that was, I think the first thing was facing into it myself and accepting that myself. A lot of the times we impose the, 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 the thought processes of others on us and that's really a reflection of our own feeling and insecurity right, that we haven't accepted yet. So it's easier to externalise that and say, oh, that's what people... So I, I had to face into that and, um, you know, I still challenge myself on those things. Um, but the second one is then I, I guess what I... I, I talk very openly um, and share with the team that I believe leadership is first a privilege and a responsibility. So I'm not shying away from that. In fact, when given command, take charge and lead and or do the and do the right thing. So I just share very openly um, and and uh, try to then act that out. There's a couple of things. One, honour that privilege and responsibility, and not I'm not going to shy away from that, right? But I'm not always going to potentially get it right. But that is my that is how I view leadership. The second thing is, you know, that in that situation or as as the CEO, um, I I am going to have times when I'm going to take charge and lead and um, I'm not always going to get it right okay but you know I believe that that's an important element that you, you need to take charge and lead in certain situations especially when there is a pandemic or a crisis there's times for group think there's times for collaboration and there's times to step up and take charge and lead um, and um, you know uh, so I, I think what the team gets to see and what the you know hopefully everyone gets to see clients partners customers is that I, I will be, I will communicate um, a position. I will communicate um, a, uh, a decision or a view and stand up for that and have the courage of my convictions, but I won't do it in a way that has the arrogance that thinks that I'm, have the, mine is the right answer, the only answer. It is my belief, my, 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 my view. Um, and, um, and, and if anyone wants to challenge that, I'm open to that. And if anyone can help me, I'm open to that. Um, so uh, I think it is about the most important thing for people to see is words and actions coming together, that congruence. And I just really connect them to two things, your words and actions coming together so that they become real and um, they're opening up the head and the heart to be able to communicate together so you're not and then i think it, the world becomes quite forgiving because no one expects you to be superman wonder woman or have all the answers and get it right but if you can demonstrate you know your intent um and your, your authenticity then i think you can go a long way with it and so i don't have any fear telling people that you know what um i've had a challenging weekend people you know uh it wasn't my best but that's okay you know uh, people uh, supporting i think the the interesting thing when i talk to a lot of people who possibly haven't been in a ceo role they they tend to forget that you know everyone has doubts everyone um you know goes through those emotional things i mean how do you deal with some of those moments when you're sitting there quietly and thinking what am i doing you know what do you actually put into action to say i'm okay i need to keep doing this um, well, yeah, that you have those moments and quite regularly when things like COVID were happening um, or have been happening. Um, the first one is to just go back to your, um, so one is, uh, 
you know, you develop a bit of a toolkit, JK, you know, and, and that toolkit, you know, revolves as you meet people, as you experience life. My first sort of thing is to just sort of go back to a little bit of my um, micro recoveries and sort of breathing exercise and just think about practicing that attitude of gratitude again and perspective. Okay. All right, Damien, let's, you're not going to make good rational decisions. You're not going to get through this if you're operating from a place of feeling overwhelmed, backed into a corner and operating from fear. So how do I get that, you know, back to that operating from a place of, and then I'll say the word love, right, um, care. How do I get back to um, feeling, you know, grateful for what I have so that I'm actually, you know, able to remove and build, bring down those feelings of feeling overwhelmed and getting some perspective, you know, on actually, JK, you know what? <laughs> We've been pretty freaking lucky, right? I mean, yes, I'm not saying it hasn't been challenging in stage four, but thankfully, you know, when you look at the numbers in Australia and New Zealand and compare that to some of the other places, um, in the world, you know, even what was it, still a couple hundred thousand new cases again in the US, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dying across mm. the world. We've been pretty lucky. Yeah. So you got to put it into perspective. And you know what? COVID, great. But, you know, even without COVID, boy, we've got clean water. Yeah. We've got food to eat. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, these basics we take for granted. So you all of a sudden you go, Damien, are you really dealing with the most important thing in the world here, mate. You know, let's get some perspective here, mate. You know, you've got kids that have got some, you've got kids that are well and healthy, you've got water, you've got food, some pretty basics that we take for granted. And then all of a sudden, JK, I know it sounds silly, but that's then how, you know, I just, the, the weight that's on your shoulder starts to just ease. And all of a sudden, you can start to think a bit more clearly. You can ground yourself again. You can build up that conviction bucket. And, Sometimes that's about then having the ability to just ring up and ask for help. Tell me, I've, I've spoken to you on a number of occasions and you've been at, at times very, very excited about some of the things that COVID has taught us yes. and brought to us. So tell me what you think will survive post, post COVID from a business point of view. Um, you know, I remember you saying once that you used to jump on an airplane every two days and now yeah. you, you don't do that. So from a business point of view, what do you think will survive and what are you excited about at the moment? So I think what will survive, um, JK, is that people will hopefully, well, I believe that what will survive and I actually want to make this a personal objective of mine as the CEO. So I'm declaring one of my personal KPIs for next year. Talking <laughs> to a business speak right now is not allowing us to come back to work the way we were. So I want to keep and make sure that as an organisation, we bring back some, we bring some flexibility to our working lives. I mean, yep, we'll come to the office to, uh, to connect, uh, collaborate and, um, you know, ensure we're performing. But um, we also want to give people the flexibility and the work-life balance to be able to work from home a couple of days a week because we've proven we can do it full time, <laughs> pretty much. How, how do you create? Um, yeah, how do? But how do you create a team uh, culture 
through that? Have you thought about, okay, because the trouble is, um, you know, do we all come to work on Tuesdays and Thursdays so you can actually see everyone? How, how are you seeing that future? Yes, so it, the first thing is recognising what, what, what do we want, what, why is it important that we come together and what do we do when we come together? And so for us, it is about that connectivity, which is where we communicate, etc. It is about that collaboration because, you know, people bounce off each other. The, the ideas, the innovation comes from being, picking up on, you know, things like people's energy, um, building upon each other's ideas, challenging each other. You know, that's not easy to do when everyone's sort of working out when they can talk, when they should intervene on a VC. In a room, it's far more dynamic. So, you know, we need that collaboration. And then we need, um, you know, the third reason we come together is to ensure that we are um, we are performing and that we are, um, you know, making working through what are the things that we need to do to improve performance, et cetera. But the... So when, once we know what, why we're coming to work and then what we, we, we want to accomplish, it is about making sure that we have the, the right forums and the right, um, uh, I guess, guidance in place. So what we're looking to do is think about how do we make sure that people and teams are coming together? Um, you know, for example, everyone in the team will come together if they're in operations on, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for example, because that's when the team meetings will happen. That's when we'll have collaboration sessions. That's when we'll have whatever. We will have town halls, which will be non-negotiables. So actually maybe the better way to just say, JK, is we will have flexibility, but within guidelines and, 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 and rules, because guess what? It isn't a free-for-all. And in fact, people want that certainty. So without knowing the answers yet, I've actually told the team, let's, let's calm down. Let's not try to be crystal ball um, navigators and predict the future because that hasn't worked for me too well in the past. Let's try and deal with um, what we do know and how we can be adaptive and, and practice being agile. So what we're going to do is two sprints, okay, to use these cool terms these days. And that's just about continuing our survive and revive thrive plan. And what worked really well was giving people sentient, as much sentient clarity as we could. So we're going to just demystify this whole thing, take the pressure off, stop trying to solve for things we don't know and, and, and un unknowns. And we're going to say we're going to have two sprints. And the first 90-day sprint is going to be um, us working in the office two to three days a week. And the five things that are going to happen around that, uh, each team is going to work out um, so that we can make sure we're COVID safe and got the, you know, practicing the principles and the capacity, et cetera on what days they will come in, okay, and what days they come out. So people will then know for the first 90 days after the end of January when we come back from holidays, we've got two days a week we're going to be at home that we can organise our lives around. How cool is that, right? Like that's a blessing. We were five days in an office. Now we know for sure we're going to have two or three days. We can organise childcare we can, or, or we can organise, you know, our lives around that. But these are the days I'm going to come in, I'm going to, and when I come in, I'm going to connect, I'm going to collaborate, and I'm going to perform. All right? And that's what we're going to do because, you know, that's, a, that's what, you know. But they're going to have to log on and they're going to have to log off because we still need to know that they're okay, all right, and they're connected on those days they're not here. Um, they're going to have to, you know, dial into the live streams so we can keep the culture going, you know. Um, but, um, JK, that, that first group, we're going to learn a lot. All right, and we're just going to get live feedback from each other 
and we're going to look under the tenants of care purpose for leadership, caring and demanding, what's working, what's not, adjust some things and go for one more 90-day sprint. And then the world will continue around us and we'll work out what's working for our partners and our customers, what's, work, what's happening with COVID and vaccines and travel, and we'll come up with a, a second sprint. And at the end of that, you know, that's going to be pretty good timing, mate, when you look at the world. They say, you know, by end of Q1, Q2, we're going to start to bring back some travel restrictions and others. But by then, we would have some great insights and we would have adapted and we would have learned and then we'll set some, you know, we'll set the next um, sort of ways of working for the next year. As, as Kevin Roberts would say, and we both know KR very well, fail fast, Damien, fail fast yeah. and then get on with it, boy, get on with it. Yeah, you know? yeah, but, yeah. But, but TK, people aren't, you know, you know, this is where you've got to get, look at it and say, you know, as a leader, right, you, you want to care, but we can't design for 3,000 people and think we're going to get it right. Mm. We can't, as much as that would be awesome, it doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work. I mean, we've seen during this period of COVID, it, it was fun for a little while, but now you know what's happened. People are... Uh, uh, the novelty is completely worn off. I mean, even in our Auckland office, you know, we started with only 10% back in the office, 20%. Now we've got up to 65%, 70% coming back to the office because they want to come to the office, yeah. right? That, so you can't assume. Yeah, right? but they still want to maybe have Monday or Wednesday off or whatever that looks like. Absolutely. When I say come back to the office, it's in that hybrid, hybrid environment where they've got some days at home, some days in the office. I mean, you're Australian born. Yes. You're from a large family. You're a first-generation migrant family. How's that impacted you growing up and shaped your values and stuff? Oh, immensely, JK. I mean, um, um, you know, like um, uh, who, your, your, your family life, your past, your heritage is so important to who you are and shaping who you are. It doesn't mean you, you you can't evolve and change but you you, you must I, I absolutely believe in 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 the fact that it, it does um shape you so for me immensely jk it, it did so many things one um it, it the first thing it taught me was the importance of purpose you know because we my grandmother brought us out here um to have a better life and we all lived in the same house and they all, we all just worked as one unit towards this common goal it wasn't even really defined or wasn't like a meeting, wasn't on the wall, wasn't in a prospectus or business document. It was just <laughs> a, an unspoken dream to give us a better life and left an affluent life in Sri Lanka to do that. I have a Sri Lankan, Chinese, Burmese heritage, you know, and, and within that, the Sri Lankan part, as you may know, um, JK is, uh, has, has a Dutch, Portuguese, uh, English um, uh, 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 influenced through that as well. Solomon's Van Langenberg. Oh my gosh! The, the, I mean, I'm I don't come with any papers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mutt. You're not going to sell me on the market as a purebred, okay? But I'm um, I'm a proud Aussie, and my kids are proud Aussies. Um, and um, so that was my first lesson about the importance of you know uh, of how working towards a common goal and a dream. Um, the hard, second one was hard work. So back to the thing when you talked about performance. We were going to have a better life, even though we'd made the move from Sri Lanka, we weren't going to work hard, all right? And, uh, and when I say work hard, actually, that's the wrong term. If we weren't going to work, because if, if it's in service of your dream, it's not hard work. So that was that. The second, the other thing I learned was just, you know, that family, the feel of the family that plays as a team. You know, we, we, 
it was uh, the, the importance of family. Um, uh, you know, I got handed around. You know, my mum was working so hard. You know, to make sure she she had me pop me out. Then she's back at work, and my aunt was also my mum, and I called her Mim because it sounded like mum. And my grandmother, and you know, my dad and my my godfather. We just it just everyone just passed around. So that that sense of family working towards it and when I say family it's a dysfunction of the family because you know mate we used to argue every Sunday you know we used to come back to my even once we all moved out and got our own places every Sunday we'd go back to my grandma's for lunch um, and it'd just be like uh, you know this massive debate all afternoon and then everyone's arguing fighting at the end of it hugging each other and uh, all around uh, a meal and then we couldn't wait till next Sunday it was ridiculous <laughs> Well, even as a, even up to the age of 22, 23, I, I, that's what I'd do. Even though I was, you know, partying and playing sport, I couldn't wait for Sunday afternoon. You know, it's just that that was the thing. So um, I got a lot of lessons. The other one, JK, was uh, ones that I probably don't share as often, but um, have been talking about a little bit more, which is growing up different. Um, um, back then, you know, uh, you didn't recognise it. I mean, I, I talk about the fact that I didn't, man, I was, I was sort of, bit naive I didn't even know I wasn't the color white until I was about nine or ten and that was because I had some awesome friends who I grew up with and it was only really when I was uh, with them and we were making we were they were making fun of someone who looked like me and then one day I looked and said hang on a second (laughs) that person looks like me (laughs) that's not cool that's not right what's going on here um, and so I guess that was my 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 uh, I, I'm, you know my storytelling way of saying um, had to deal with a fair, little bit of racism as well. Got called a lot of things on the football field, especially by parents. And I just I just that that's one of the vivid memories I have is uh, you know uh, on the footy field it wasn't so much the kids it was sometimes the parents. You know, and they couldn't quite work out what I was either because I'm an itza. So they, they their 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 abuse was quite humorous <laughs> they didn't but, know whether to, they didn't know whether to call me a curry puff or a dim sim man <laughs> so I, I know that you had an experience with bailey that you've you've spoken about too um so but how do you parent um against racism and how do we change this dialogue because i think it's fundamental and when i talk about racism it might be against the religion so i know you've had a couple of experiences where you've been really solid on some some answers and what to do yeah look i mean um again you know i'm not saying i have all the answers or or anything but um uh, Bailey, my little girl, she's my backpack. So she wasn't. She, actually, I can't. Don't know if I can call her my backpack at the moment because she's she's switched over to mum because mum's cooler now that she's nine and you know she's into listening to Shawn Mendes and um, you know suddenly <laughs> they've discovered nail polish and makeup. She's not allowed to wear them, um, but um, um, yep, yeah, that's right. I said she's not allowed to wear them because she's only nine and we still have to have some rules in the house. But she's edging towards wanting to do all those things. Um, uh, and so we did everything together and um, from the time she was born because, you know, that's how I was brought up. We just sort of, you know, I was a backpack to my parents, but they just had to get on and work and do what they did. So Bailey and I were very close and, you know, I'm pretty protective. And um, one day she sort of came home and um, from kindergarten and said to us, oh, why am I brown? 
fuck? And I'm like, what are you fucking? And, um, and then what had happened was they seen some kids. Um, one of them had said to another one, don't hold her hand because she's, mm. she's brown. And, um, you know, it breaks her heart. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'll to... deal with that, so I'm interested to hear. Yeah, so, so you know, first thing I wanted to do is go down to the down there and take care of business. <laughs> I'm only um, um, You know, you, you, you just, it just hits you, right? It's not like you can take it yourself, but when you see one of your kids going through it. And so this was one of those moments where um, uh, you have to stop the amygdala hijack, you know, the yeah. one where your natural reaction is to go, you know, um, but the second one is to um, actually take a, uh, an opportunity to to change the course of many lives because when you step back it's it's ignorance and it's uh, it's not intentional it's it, it, that, that age those kids and so education is the key and so we 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 we, we celebrated with Bailey our difference um, and made her feel loved and um, you know, and um, special and and perfect <laughs> for what she is, and this and the other thing was, um, um, you know, and and we talked about all these people, and it was things, little things like talking about, you know, um, my sister and all the people she idolised, and you know how they were saying the same, and that was good. And then we um, spoke to the kindergarten who were great, and they in, in, implemented some education around reading stories about difference and all that. And we got some books and other things. So look, at that point in time, it was just about um, uh, recognizing it was an opportunity for education. And um, the most important thing was for her to feel uh, safe and uh, help her to build resilience and recognize that this was gonna happen in life, but it was okay. What does a good dad look like for you? Um, searching. Um, you know, uh, like, uh, I, and when I say that, not because of my old man, who is amazing, um, he's one of my heroes, you know, and he's he, it's my, he's my stepfather, and uh, he raised me and um, worked through, you know, two jobs and studied at night to give us that life I talked about. Um, uh, but uh, for me, um, I'm, I'm still searching. I don't know. Look, I just had an experience on the weekend, which was quite interesting. My kids must be detecting um, that I need some cuddles right now because Kai is just really giving me all these really big cuddles at the moment. He's six years old and he's tough as nails, this kid. I don't know where he got that from, but he's got super energy and he's strong as. Like, I mean, you know, he, he's he's really full on and he's got lots of energy, but he's just been giving me lots of cuddles right recently and I reckon he's picked up my energy that I've been a bit tired and worn out and I'm a bit anxious about you know, how life's going to come back together and, you know, the, you know, the, the, the weight of the last nine months. Um, but, but the reason I say that, JK, is I think the best dad is one that's just present because the re on the weekend, um, you know, what I find is the happiest times, the, ki the happiest the kids are is when I'm just present with them doing stuff. And so what is that? That is cooking. That is playing in the backyard that is going on walks um, um that is you know going on bike rides that is just being with them and what i found with the other thing was is giving them some one-on-one -on -one time because uh, they're very different and what happens is they 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 you know so when i have time one-on-one -on -one with kai 
it's great because it can just be him being himself and he's not competing with Bailey attention and vice versa Bailey who usually has to give way um, and and they really enjoy that one-on-one time but it all comes down to being present um, and um, the other one is uh, actually just talking to them they really you know don't treat them like you know yes they're kids but don't think that that means they have you have to be baby speak with them have conversations with them they are really quite smart and enlightening and they don't carry the baggage so um, I, I don't know what the right one is. I just, uh, what the perfect dad is, I just think it's doing the best you can and, and being as present as you can. What's the biggest lesson fatherhood has given you? Perspective, perspective. Uh, you know, I was working, um, if I was one, if I'm 150% now, I was probably 200%. Everything was, you know, all or nothing. Everything was going uh, at a hundred, you know, as I said, two hundred percent. What what fatherhood has taught me is perspective and the importance of, um, it, you know, uh, being present um, and engaged, and um, giving me more meaning that there's more than just working hard and um, there's there's lives that we're raising, you know, generations that we're building, legacies that we're leaving behind. What does post-COVID work-life balance look like for you personally? Um, well, definitely not as much flights. I just, it's not good for my health. You know, I, I, um, so post-COVID life, I'm going to be kinder to myself. Self-care is really important. And I had to change my belief system a few years back and now COVID has really reinforced that, which is it's not selfish to care for yourself because actually if you want to serve others, you need to look after yourself and be as healthy as you can be. In fact, the more healthy you are, the more productive you are, then the more you can serve others as well. Um, and so uh, I'm gonna give myself a little bit more sleep. I'm going to uh, continue to appreciate, oh my gosh, I didn't think I was a nature lover, but appreciate nature and this wonderful land that we have. Um, I mean, and I'm going to um, fly less because <laughs> it's just not good for your health. And I'm gonna, um, continue to, uh, you know, do those activities with the kids that create memories. So I think one of the things that came to me on the weekend was I'm not being there 24-7 isn't going to be the answer to being the perfect dad. dad. Creating memories that help them live their life, their best life, is is the best thing I can do so that when I'm not there or when I'm you know I mean when I'm not when I'm traveling because I will and I'm not they will know what to do yeah and they'll be able to trust their intuition um, and their wisdom that they've built through those experiences that we've had together and their own that'll help them be the best they can be what are you watching or reading what do you recommend I watch and read Oh boy. Um, so uh, interestingly enough, um, at the moment, um, I'm not watching a lot of TV or, or things. I'm, I'm you know, uh, obviously, you know, things like uh, your, your podcast series are really important. And, uh, you know, I encourage people to watch these things. Um, Pucker Up, a series we did on, on mental health as well. But um, I'm not watching a lot of TV at the moment. I just, I, I just don't know why. So I'm sorry, I'm not giving you a 
a lot on that. But mm-hmm. um, if I was going to say something, I'd say watch Disney movies. <laughs> because uh, I've connected, as I said, there's three over Christmas that I really went, wow. Uh, one was The Wizard of Oz. And I recognised that in corporate life, we were, um, we'd let ourselves be the tin man and we were, and we're all really just searching to, for the permission to use our heart. So that's what I call financial services in, 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 in Australia was like we were the tin, you know, tin man, tin woman, and we were looking on that journey. Second one was Aladdin, you know, never forgetting that, you know, we, you know, we want to find our dreams and, and, and do the right thing. Um, so Disney movies uh, are always a great, uh, great way to connect again with your childhood and, and life. They've got great meaning. And on books, um, again, actually, uh, I'm not, uh, I'm reading so much material on, you know, digital transformations and all this stuff. It's, it's, it's great. But, uh, you know, what I do, I actually am, am reading a Jack Reacher novel. Nice. Do you know why? Okay. I, I have to say, born Jack Reacher, my, my favourite reading when I'm not reading something around self-development, you know, like even K.R.'s books, you know, um, um, in a, uh, 64 Shots and other great things that give you food for the soul. Um, I, I like to just switch off and relax when I read. It's a, it's a, it'll, it's my, my relaxation. So sorry, mate, I haven't got any. No, no, that's, I, I, I do a bit of Jack Reacher. I'm the same. That's very interesting when you're talking about, um, you know, parenting, one of the, one of the things I used to go a lot away a lot with rugby. And one of the things I used to do was, um, when I got back, it was daddy's day and their kids got to choose and invariably went to the movies and ate a whole lot of popcorn and, and drank a whole lot of, of, of Coca-Cola. But I watched every kid's movie. I used to absolutely love them. So I know what you're saying about creating those experiences because when you look back in your life, it is those moments where you did something, you know, it's not daredevil stuff. It might be something as simple as a movie, you know. Um, so tell me, who would you like me to interview next? Oh, um, who would I like you to interview next? Um, have you interviewed Jacinda yet? I'm trying. I've been in touch. So she's she's agreed to to come on the podcast. So I'm just trying to. Obviously, she's well, way too busy for me at the moment. But but hopefully, yeah, she'll sit down. I mean, she's an amazing lady. I'm really intrigued to see how she deals with a whole lot of different stuff. So. I'll keep chasing. Yeah, I think I think people are, are really keen to, you know, I mean, um, uh, when we look at um, leadership during this time, I think, you know, Jacinda displayed some great leadership and um, be interesting to see how she, the elements of care and demanding, because, you know, she's got to care for people, but she also has to ensure that the country performs um, and, and, you know, is productive and, and, and grows economy so it'd be interesting to understand those things i think for me too damien like when i when i talk to you um you know you are always talking about leadership through caring um but i don't i think it's a new way of leading and so i think when you talk about jacinda and i love talking to you because whenever i talk to you i'm inspired and and you know you are thinking outside the square about how we are going to you know get rid of this uh work-life balance and just have life that's complete with work or home or whatever that looks like so mate it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you it's always a pleasure i always walk away energized um and i know that life is busy so i really appreciate you um spending the time with me and it's been great thank you no well thank you mate and thanks for your um friendship and support and your leadership during this time um you know you're not gonna uh 
you might cringe a little bit when I say this, but I think, you know, if our purpose is to make a difference and um, you have made a phenomenal difference to hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions when you look at the reach you've had um, during this time to help them um, have someone they can connect with or whether it's through your programs or your podcasts. Um, so thank you. And thank you for checking in on me and, and, and me feeling like I've got a, a friend and a brother. So um, thanks very much for that. I really appreciate it. No problem, mate. Our thank job you. is to do this together, right? We'll yeah. be a better place, hopefully, when we come out at the other end of this COVID because it's taught us a few basics to put our mental health first, to be more open and honest that there is, uh, for me, there is life, there is not work. I don't wanna be lying on my um, on my deathbed and looking back at my life and thinking, gee, I wish I had have made more friends at work or I wish I had have been more honest. So I think we're pretty aligned there. But it's been a pleasure, mate, and we'll see you soon. In person, we'll be able to give you a big hug finally. Oh, mate, can't wait for that. You bet. All right, see you, mate, take care. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Open Minded. If you like the podcast, make sure to subscribe. This podcast is everywhere you get your podcast, so make sure you do that. <laughs> I don't need to tell you how, and then you'll get my new episode straight away. And if you can leave a review, tell everyone you know about it, it'd be awesome. If you could help spread the word about the show, thanks. But also, I'd love to get your feedback. You know, I'm new to this, I want to get better, and I want to know what you want to know about mental well-being. So please reach out to us and thanks, and I'll see you all soon.